Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. today and I, I do have a message for you uh, that I will be I, I believe will impact you um, and kind of want to tell you how I got to where I'm at today um, I, I really been feeling from the Holy Spirit just this whole thing about God's peace not allowing circumstances or people or stuff to pull me out of his peace and so uh, this week I was in um, it's crazy how things come together on one of the busiest weeks that you have I was in Louisiana this week and uh, you know living in West Virginia to go anywhere and to get home you got a full day of travel there and a full day back and I had several sessions of, of teaching to do while there uh, and and then this morning Karen is doing the small group uh, training as we speak for both services so uh, I, I normally my routine on Sunday is I get up really early like 5 a.m. 5:30 somewhere in there and, and and get over here as soon as I can and I got quiet time and you know I, I get to study and pray and do all that stuff well today I said well you can go early today because you got two events you're training for you can go and so I got the three kids I'm just going to say right now, it's a whole lot easier to come pray at 5.30 in the morning than it is to get all three of them ready. But we, we got everybody here. Nobody's injured. All right. We're good. We made it. Uh, but but to, I want to talk about something that I think Aaron Rodgers made famous several years ago for the Green Bay Packers because today is Christmas for me, in case you didn't know. The football season starts, all right? Like there's football all day today, and I'm so pumped up for it. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers said something a few years ago after several losses in a row. Uh, he was sitting there um, doing the news conference, and they're asking him these questions and, and basically like, well, what's wrong with your team, and what's wrong with you, and why is it not? working and the famous answer back he said you guys need to r-e-l-a-x you need to relax and then they won like five or six straight games and went to the playoffs so it was like he's like y'all need to chill I want to talk to you about that subject today so you're going to help me just for a minute I want you to touch two people and tell them relax (laughs) yes this is going to be so good Um, Go with me to Hebrews chapter 3. We're going to read some verses out of Hebrews 3 and Hebrews 4, and we'll uh, try to tie it together for you. Starting in verse number 7, it says, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end. While it is said today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your heart as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? 
Now with whom was he angry 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And verse 18 and 19, and to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So important here because the writer of Hebrews chapter 3, he, he's letting us know um, that unbelief is evil in God's eyes. Now that's a big, that's like a mouthful. We think if, uh, you know, we have unbelief, people should feel sorry for us. But God calls unbelief evil. And, and so he calls that out. And in verses 18 and 19, he says something very, very specific. He says, Israel did not enter into the rest that God had for them because they had a heart of unbelief. They, they just didn't trust God. They did not believe God. So if we turn over one more chapter, if you've got your phone, you can click it or your Bible, open it. The next chapter of Hebrews, let's look at a few verses here, the first four. It says, or the first three, it says, therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word which they heard did not profit them not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. It's possible to come to church for 30 years and hear the word and it not profit you. He says, they heard the word, but it was not mixed with faith. For we who have believed do enter that rest as he has said. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Um, we'll start right here. There is a rest for you in your relationship with God. A lot of, a lot of times we, we don't understand that there is a true spiritual rest which will translate to every part of our lives in Christ. That is one of the things that he makes available, that there is a place in God where we can rest, relax, chill out, and, and just trust that God is working on our behalf. The, the writer of Hebrews, he is... He is detailing for us, when you read the book of Hebrews, he details how that our relationship with Christ is much better than what they had in the Old Testament. That's, that's the contrast he's making, that what we have now is better than what they had then. And we understand this morning that the new covenant is a better covenant based on better promises. We understand that in the Old Testament, they would work, 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 obey, 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 and they were still left empty. But Jesus says, it is finished, I am seated, it's done, you can rest in me. And, and so there's a contrast made. And, and he's telling us that this new covenant is much stronger, much better. And, and even like the blessings attached to obeying the law in the Old Testament was all earthly things, earthly tabernacle, earthly priests, all of that. But in, in contrast, Christ, he introduced not just earthly things, how I many he introduced heavenly things. He introduced spiritual things. He became the tabernacle of God. He became the high priest. He became the one who paid the price for sin so that you and I could be saved. And he is seated at the right hand of God today because he is done. He is finished and he has provided every spiritual blessing in him. We just have to rest in the finished work of Jesus. And a lot of times we miss out on this. The people 
that he's writing to in the book of Hebrews, that he's talking to about this, they were struggling. They were struggling um, with, with their, their faith, and many of them were trying to go back to what the Jews did. So instead of just receiving the finished work of Christ, they were going back to law. And, and the problem I have with people going back to law and to, you know, trying, trying to pretend that, you know, we are, we're Jewish or any, and we are grafted in and we, we, we support it, like all that's very important. But when we go and, and, and we start um, doing everything they did in the old covenant and we feel like we got to do all this stuff in order to be blessed, then what we're saying is Jesus is not good enough. We're saying what you did is not good enough for me. And that's what the writer of Hebrews is trying. Like, don't go back to, to, to doing. And, and, and the problem, uh, the, the thing we have to understand is there are 613 laws. So if you come to me and say, I, I, you know, I'm doing the, the Old Testament thing. Um, first of all, no, you're not, because you don't know all 613. How can you do all 613 if you don't know them all? And the scripture is very clear, if we break one, we break them all. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, you ain't that holy. <laughs> you just ain't that holy. And so he, he writes and he tells them, he says, Jesus is better than the prophets. Jesus is better than angels. And then he gave him a mouthful. He said, Jesus is better than Moses. Now, how many of that's a mouthful? To, to those that are obeying the law because Moses is the lawgiver. Like he's the one that delivered it, you know? And, and so he's saying Jesus is better than Moses. So it, it's a powerful thing. And we learn that weakness, in, in, in the book of Hebrews, weakness of faith is tolerated, but unbelief is not. If I'm weak in faith, I'm saying, God, I, I'm, I'm trying to believe you and, and, and I'm struggling a little bit. That is an invitation for God to take you to a higher level. But there is something else called unbelief and many people in the church, because they've gone through uh, uh, traumatic things, betrayals, uh, setbacks, people turning their back on them, uh, uh, diagnosis, they go through all these things, they get jaded, and then they no longer believe God is good and that God answers prayer. How many know, when you get to that place, you are now in unbelief. And weakness of faith can be tolerated, God will tolerate that, but he will not tolerate unbelief. Israel forfeited their promise through unbelief. They, they, they forfeited it. They gave it up. And I think there's a lot of things that God wants to bring into our lives that we are missing out on because we are in unbelief. And, and he talks specifically about they wandered geographically. We know they wandered 40 years in the wilderness. But he said very clearly, before they ever wandered in the wilderness, they wandered in their heart. How many know when we go astray here, we'll start going astray here? When, when, we're, when we're confused internally, we'll be confused externally. And, and so the Christian life, what we have to understand is, is that the Christian life is this, internal realities become external realities. We don't live from the outside in, we live from the inside out. And, and so Israel missed it, and the scripture tells us that they went astray in their heart, they wandered here, and so it led to wandering out here, 
And, and God, God says, they saw my works. This is Hebrews 3. He said, they saw my works, but they did not know my ways. And, and this is so important because every, every work that God does is to get our attention focused on, on a greater reality. Um, a lot of times when, when God does something for us, we get focused on what he did. But anytime God does something for us, it's not just to get us focused on what he did, it's to get us focused on him. And, and so we, we, we get a breakthrough. And now we wanna sing and preach and talk about breakthrough for the next three years. You've missed the point. Or God healed me, so now all I talk about is healing. You've missed the point. Healing, breakthrough, miracles, anything God does is not to point you to that attribute, it's to point you to him. Israel missed it because they fell in love with an attribute and ignored the person. And we forfeit the promise of God when we fall in love with the attributes and we fail to fall in love with the person. We're missing out on what God has for us because we, we're only focused on what God can do. Anytime God moves, it's so that we'll focus on him. And, and so the contrast between the children of Israel and Moses, it, he, he gives that and he says, Israel knew the works, Moses knew the ways. Man, I, I wanna be the person that knows the ways of God. Not, not just the person that can only identify with what he did. Like we're going deeper than that. And, and, and so their heart of unbelief, what's interesting is, is that it manifested. Their unbelief manifested. And it, it manifests in several ways, but one of the main ways that, that unbelief manifests is through complaining. Complaining is evidence that you have a heart of unbelief. Why'd you bring us out here to kill us, Moses? Moses, it's better in Egypt. Moses, 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 Moses. They complained, they complained, they complained. It was evidence that they had a heart of unbelief. And, and it's also, it speaks to that when, when we complain, it is our argument against the sovereignty of God. And a lot of us, we think it's just complaining like, like that, but, but if you're the person that complains about your job, complains about your kids, complains about your finances, complains about your boss, complains about your church, if you're one of those complaining type people, evidence right there, heart of unbelief. You no longer believe God is good. You no longer believe God is on your side. Unbelief always manifests through complaints. We, we, we pick at things, we pick on people, you know, we, we're just frustrated, we gotta let it out. And, and what God is saying is they missed out on entering into the rest. Now, if there was a rest in the Old Testament, don't you think there's a rest in Jesus? Like in the new covenant, that there is a rest? And I think we struggle with that whole rest thing and peace thing because we live in a culture that is totally opposite. Everybody's stressed out. Everybody's frustrated. Everybody's, you know, got issues. And we, we, we're just, a lot of times, even in the church, we're falling into the pattern of the world. And we are just as stressed out and frustrated as, as the world is because the world teaches that peace, peace is the absence of noise. 
It's the absence of, of stuff going on. Like, that's peace. Um, for some of you, like, it's the absence of small children in the house, right? Like, that's peace. Um, peace is not the absence of problems. Peace is the presence of Jesus. So I may have a ton of problems, but if I got Jesus, I got peace. I'm living from the inside out. Let's take it a step further. The, the, that, that the peace is not just the absence of, of, of problems, it is the presence of the Holy Spirit. We, we just spent a month talking about the Holy Spirit. That, uh, yeah, I may have financial trouble, I may be struggling in my marriage, my kids may be acting crazy, I, I may not know about my job, my future, where I'm going, I may not know anything, I may have all this external stuff, but if I'm in Christ, I'm supposed to be chilled. See how hard it is for us to receive this? Some of y'all are like, you don't know my life. I know what you're thinking. You don't know what I'm going through. Man, we all go through hell. Can we just be real? We all go through stuff. But never does the Bible say that when you go through it, you're allowed to come out of your peace. Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. Don't be stressed out. You know, rest in me. Trust me. Believe that I am good. All throughout the scripture, we see that. And so true peace in the kingdom is not the absence of problems, it's the presence of Jesus, which means I can have peace of mind. It means I can have peace in my emotions, peace in my relationships. I can have peace in my soul. Look at 3 John 2 says, Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health as your soul prospers. A lot of times the reason stuff out here is not prospering is because we're not prospering in here. Our soul is sick, and we want God to bless all this stuff out here. He said that all this stuff can be blessed at, to the level that your soul's blessed. I, I can show you how that peace is a prerequisite for breakthrough. Peace is, a, is what we need to have before we get a healing, before we get a breakthrough. You say, Pastor, what are you talking about? Look, look at Isaiah 57 real quick. I'm only going to read a couple verses out of it, uh, 15 through 21, but I'm going to drop down just a little bit, uh, about halfway through that. When I looked again and saw what he was doing, I decided to heal him. This is Isaiah 57. Lead him, comfort him, creating a new language of praise for the mourners. Peace to the far off, peace to the near at hand, says God, and yes, I will heal them. I want you to see Peace comes, then healing. Very clear. Peace, then healing. But the wicked are storm-battered seas that cannot quiet down. The waves stir up garbage and mud. There's no peace, God says, for the wicked. The place of rest, the place where we can relax, happens first, and then the healing, the breakthrough. And, and you say, why is that? Because anxiety and faith cannot exist in the same heart. Some of us, the reason we can't see God move is because we can't quiet our soul down long enough to rest in what he's able to do. Even our desire to get a breakthrough sometimes pushes us into stress. We don't, we're, we're actually contributing to our own conflict. Because we call, I need a miracle. I need God to show. This has gone wrong. This is gone. I just need God to show. How many, that's not faith. 
That sounds like somebody that's off their rocker. Chill out. God's good. He can do it. But let's calm our soul. Let's calm our spirit. And let's, tr- let's step into a place of rest. Because when we step into a place of rest, more work gets done. The ways of God are so much different than the ways of the world. Do you remember, let, let's talk about this. Mark 4, the, the, the disciples, and Jesus told them, he said, I want you guys to go to the other side. You remember that? To get in a boat, go to the other side. When Jesus, I'm gonna just stop here and say, when Jesus tells you that you're going to the other side, how many of you understand you are going to the other side? Like he's not lying. Like get in the boat, go to the other side. You're gonna make it, you're gonna get there. We know the story. They start on the journey to go to the other side in the boat and then a storm comes. The winds are, are blowing, the waves are up and the disciples started doing what a lot of us do. They started freaking out. And in the midst of their panic, in the midst of them being stressed out, they have to go and wake Jesus up. Did you hear what I just said? They think they're about to die, but they gotta wake him up. Jesus, I can just see him waking up, giving a big yawn and stretch. And then he says, what what does he say? He says, peace, be still. That's what he, he, he literally speaks peace to it. Um, I, I love that because he was demonstrating that when we have peace in here, we can proclaim peace out there. The same storm they're freaking out about, he's snoring in. And while they're upset that he's not doing anything about it, he wakes up and calmly says, peace be still. One of the things I love about it, you turn over to the next chapter, it says that they got to the other side. I believe that the disciples were really close to the other side. They just couldn't see it because of the storm, the waves, and the wind. And God wanted me to tell some people today, you've been going through a lot of turmoil, and you can't see that you are really close to the other side. And and God wants to speak some peace over your life and your circumstances. But many times we can't see. We're only one step away from a breakthrough. And the enemy all, listen, if God's desire is for you and I to live in peace, then what do you think the enemy's desire is? To pull us out of peace, to pull us into turmoil, to keep us stressed out. Because the enemy understands, and a lot of us don't, that true faith operates from a place of peace. Some of the most powerful men of God I've ever been around, they didn't scream at the devil or anything. Get out of here. Be healed. Some of us think we, and I'm not saying you can't scream and yell at the devil. If that's what you want, if that's your thing, scream and yell. But I'm just saying you can be at peace. You can know that God is for you, that he's going to work it out. And I believe many of you are closer than you think to your breakthrough. Um, Isaiah chapter 53, this is very familiar. Just a couple verses here. This is verse 4 and 5. It says, surely he took up our pain, bore our suffering, yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. I want you to see peace. And by his wounds, 
we are healed. Could it be that your healing, your deliverance, and your ability to get to the other side is attached to your level of peace? The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, don't allow people to pull you out of peace. Don't allow a situation to pull. How, how many times are we okay? We're at peace and then a family member. <laughs> Somebody's like, yeah, praise the Lord. That's it right there. That's the word. Somebody comes in and they're all, and man, before you know it, you, you've left like you're relaxed and you're cool in Jesus and now you're all stressed out and you can't sleep. Or you're at peace and you get a diagnosis and now all of a sudden instead of peace, your heart is filled with fear. But I, I believe scripturally, we can see it several times, that oftentimes peace has to take place before breakthrough. The children of Israel forfeited their promise because they, they left a place of rest, entered into unbelief. It created strife, complaining, control. How I many? When, when we're in that place where we're not at peace, not only do we complain, we try to control people. God won't do it. Bless God, I'll do it myself. I'll fix you, you, you. <laughs> we start controlling people. Some of us, we get moody and irritable, and our go-to is to control everybody in our life. I can't control my mood, so I'm going to control you, bless God. Are y'all in this place? All right, I feel like I'm up here by myself right now. Like, you know I'm preaching the truth. We, we can't, we feel... Like, we, we can't enter a place of peace, so we're, we're just going to control people because it makes us feel better. I could preach a whole sermon on that. That's witchcraft. Bless God, we'll do that. All right. Let's stay focused, Pastor Chad. Anxiety and faith cannot exist in the same heart. The land of promises in the Old Testament speak to us about a place of rest in the New Testament. The place of rest is where your faith works. It's where it works. Some of you, what you need to do more than anything than trying to get a miracle and trying to do this and seven steps to blessing and three steps to healing and 19 steps. I can't even remember all that. Chill out, relax. God's got it. That's what I'm telling you. I'm saying chill. That demonstrates sometimes more faith than you striving and you working so hard. And the, the writer of, of, of Isaiah, not the writer, Isaiah said in Isaiah 57, he said, turmoil is not for the righteous, it's for the wicked. And many of us, we, we get tricked into being pulled out of peace into a place of turmoil and we're frustrated and our spouse is frustrated and our kids are frustrated, our coworker, we live in turmoil. And God's saying, turmoil is not your portion, peace is. Peace is. Come on, touch two people and tell them it's about time you relax. I'm going to give you one more story from the Bible, and then some of y'all are like, what's all this? You're getting ready to find out. Um, Jesus had a conversation one day in John's Gospel, chapter 3, and he had a conversation with Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a Pharisee, which, mean, which means he knew Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, memorized it. 
the whole law. That's what they did. They knew that's all they studied. That's all they did. He spent his whole life striving, keeping the rules, obeying, doing everything he could do. And the scripture says that he came to Jesus at night. All right? Now, you got to ask, why did he come at night? Well, he came at night because he did not want his friends to know he was going to Jesus. And, you know, somebody may snap a quick selfie. You know, you never know. He doesn't want anybody to identify him with Jesus. But he, he comes to Jesus and he's saying to him, Basically, we're doing all the rules, but we're not seeing any fruit. We're, we're doing all the stuff, and we're not experiencing what you are. It, yeah, we're watching you, and you, you pray a little bit, and, and you eat with sinners, and then you raise dead people. Like, what, you know, what is obviously God is, God is present with you. I want to know what's up. And Jesus begins to explain to him, first of all, he explains to him the kingdom. He tells him that unless you are born again or born of the spirit, you cannot see the kingdom or enter the kingdom is the, is the word used. Um, I want you to notice there, he did not say um, you're born again and you get to go to heaven. Now, let me just stop. We get to go to heaven. But Jesus is saying there is there is a place in God in his kingdom while on earth that we can enter into it where we can bring what's in heaven into our earth. That, that's what he's talking about. So, so he's telling Nicodemus, you're wanting to know like why I walk into a room and change the atmosphere because I'm living in a kingdom you can't see. I have stepped into something that you're not familiar with. And so he's telling him this and, and sharing that with him. And, and Nicodemus is blown away by it. But Jesus gets to this point in, in John 3 and just one verse, verse 8. He says, you got to enter the kingdom. And then in verse 8, the wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. He says, when the wind blows, you don't know where it's coming from, you don't know where it's going. But, but what Jesus is saying, when you step into the kingdom, I'm born again, now he's connecting the wind, and, and it, it's a capital S. When, when he says, so it is with everyone born of the Spirit, that's a capital S, that's the Holy Spirit. Jesus is saying, when you enter into the kingdom, you are now hooked up with a wind, we know him, as the Holy Spirit, who will lead you, guide you, propel you, sustain you, that, that will, what, how many know when wind comes at your back, you go a whole lot faster? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Like, you, wind can affect things, and that's what he's saying. We step into something that begins to carry us, that the Holy Spirit will carry us. And I want you to think about, as the worship team comes, I want you to think about what's going on in your life right now. What's going on in your life? What, what turmoil is happening? Could be marriage problems, financial issues, health issues, maybe problems with, with your kids or, or a family member. I, I don't know what the turmoil is, but I want you to examine your life. Like what is going on in your life at this moment? Um, and I wanna ask a question as you consider what's going on in your life. Are you rowing in your own strength or are you sailing in the Holy Spirit? Are you striving in that rowboat or are you sailing 
with the Holy Spirit. Because God did not design you and I to be a rowboat. Con I want you to do this side. Constantly striving, constantly rowing. Bless God, if it's gonna get done, I gotta do it. I'm the only one that can get this done. I'm the only one that can fix it. I'm gonna fix my own marriage. I'm gonna fix my kids. I, I'm gonna fix my, I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna strive. God didn't design you to be a rowboat. He designed the Holy Spirit to carry you and lead you. And what happens is, is when we're rowing and we're striving and we're putting in all these hours and we're working on it, we're fixing it, we got all this stuff together. What happens is when somebody gets close to us and they just checking on us, we hit them with the oar. You know, I'm focused. You know, I gotta, I gotta you know, we, we're, we're just all over the place because we are working so hard. And at the end of the day, a lot of us, what we're doing is we're trying in our own efforts to fill our own glass. So we say things like, if it's gonna get done, I gotta do it. You know, I'm not lazy. I gotta work hard. I'm gonna do, do, do. I'm gonna keep doing. I, I gotta, I'm going, I'm, I'm gonna get up early. I'm gonna stay up late. Get up at 5 a.m. Go to bed at 1 a.m. Because if it's gonna get done, I gotta do it. And I'm gonna squeeze every ounce of energy out of myself to make sure that it's accomplished. Everything I got. Problem is, all of our striving, still not enough. So we think, all right, all right, I've given it everything I got, but I know what it is. It's the system. It's my system, my strategy, my plan. You know, I, I just need a little bit better plan. I'm gonna YouTube it, read it, go to school, bless God, I'll do it. I, I, I just got to do it. You know, I'm going to figure it out. I'll get a coach. I'll get a mentor. I'll call seven, 17 people. I'm, I'm going to squeeze everything I got out of it. I'm going, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to make it better. I'm going to make this marriage better. I, I'm going to do it. And we squeeze. Yeah, another drip or two left. Everything we got. And then we lift it up and... Still, not enough. I know what I need. I need to hire some more people for my business. If I just hire some help, I need some people. I need a, I need a team around me. I, I, you know, I'll just, I'll, I'll get some better people around me. That, that'll make it happen. That'll do it. Bless God, if I can't do it, I'll make sure my spouse does it. Come on, y'all. Y'all here? We're going to do this. We're going to strive. We're going to make it happen. We're going to make it happen. It will get better. We've exhausted all of that and we realize it's still not enough. 
See, sometimes God is waiting on you and me to figure out that we're not enough, that we can't fix everything. In all of our striving, and, and some of you, you're 50 years old, you've been saved 30 years, and you still haven't figured out that you're not enough. That'd be terrible if I just stopped right there. But the truth is, is that the Holy Spirit has been sitting over there the whole time and he's got a jug. You've been doing it your way, you've been wearing yourself out. I've just been waiting on you to get over yourself long enough to realize you're not all that in a bag of chips. You've wore everybody in your family out. Half the people that used to love you don't like you no more because you've used them up, spit them out. You've worked both ends. Now you're tired and you've got health issues because you thought you could get it all done. But I can hear Jesus saying, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and I'll fill him and I'll give him rest I'll give him rest my goodness church are you ready to step out of striving and step into the kingdom are you ready to stop rowing so hard and just put up a sail and let the Holy Spirit take you to your next place Come on, give him a shout in this place. Come on, we're going to enter that. So the Holy Spirit said, Chad, don't allow people to pull you out of my peace. Don't allow a situation to pull you out of my peace. Rest in me and here's the thing I want you to grab as we learn to rest in God I'm not saying we're not productive people and stuff but some of you it's all about you when we begin to rest and chill out and as we've called this relax God wanted me to tell you more work is going to get done anybody receive that today amen I want you to bow your head Close your eyes, no one looking around. If you're in this place watching online, we wanna give you an opportunity to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So if you're in this place and you say, Pastor, my life's a mess, I got turmoil, I got stress, I got struggles, I got all this stuff, and I need Jesus to forgive me, I need the rest, I, I just wanna know that me and God are okay. I want to live from the inside out. If that's you, and you want to make Jesus your Lord and Savior, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are and just say, Pastor, that's me. I need to be saved today. There's one over here, two over here, three over here, perfect. One over here, and one here. Awesome, awesome. They're helping me in the back, I can't see. See those hands, awesome. Wow, wow, wow. I'm seeing you now, my eyes are focused. Awesome. Man, several hands have went up in this building. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray with you.
and your life, listen, your life is gonna, gonna, I'm not gonna say all your circumstances are gonna be fixed when you leave here, but I am saying you're gonna leave here with a peace that surpasses all understanding. The weight of sin is about to be lifted off of your life. I want every person to pray. Thank you for kids and and B kids are giving their life to Christ this morning. So good. Every voice lifted, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. I can't save myself. So I ask you to forgive me and to save me. Thank you, Jesus, for changing my life. I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, can you give all those people a big hand clap today? Boom. That's what it's all about. Prayer team and staff, come on and get in place. We're gonna open up these altars for prayer. Please don't miss this moment. Please don't miss it. We wanna put our faith with yours and just trust that God is gonna do amazing things in your life. Before we sing this last song and pray for people, Give Jesus the highest praise you have, church. Come on, give him a praise today. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.